Welcome to the Pitch Vision Academy Cricket Show. We're around for a little while, a little haven for you of cricket coaching or playing cricket, helping you to improve your game. My name's David Hinchliffe. I look after things and uh, there's a couple of guys along to help me help you. The first is the director of cricket at Mealfield School. It's Mark Garraway. Hello, Garry. You're not in Mealfield today, though, are you? I'm not, no. I'm at... Uh... I'm at the old Stanford ground at uh, Antigua, actually. It's a ground that I remember from uh, the sort of fast call game that we had, the million pound game, if you remember rightly. I think it was back in 2008. And uh, recently, uh, the West Indies Cricket Board have taken over the running of the, the ground and they're starting to put it all back together. It's going to become their academy and their, and their headquarters, actually, which I think will really help them to uh, get their, you know, their organisation, their structure in place around player development I think it will be very useful to them so over here for a couple of days helping out with uh, their level three coach education program um, and we've got some pretty salubrious uh, candidates one of which is uh, Kirtley Ambrose that I'm very much looking forward to spending time with over the next couple of days yeah a man of few words uh, on the field wasn't he so um, be interesting to see what he's got to say on the coaching front <laughs> Well, he's doing quite a lot of uh, punditry and commentary now, and he's certainly got stuff to say, and I, and I love the way he talks. He's so passionate about what he does. So mm. um, really looking forward to, to spending some time with him, and I think there'll be uh, a few laughs along the way as well. And leave a slightly less uh, warm and sunny environment for you. You're in the gym, I understand. <laughs> I am, yeah. I am. It is it's actually very bright outside. It's a lovely day down here, but I am... I'm in the gym, we'll have some of the guys in for a session over lunchtime today, so I'm just keeping an eye on things, they all know what they're doing, so there shouldn't be too much for me to uh, intervene with, but um, yeah, at least it's warm in here, it's a bit Lovely. blustery outside, but um, uh, I'm sure... I'm sure we'd all rather be where Karras is at the moment. <laughs> well, we'll keep keep an eye on those um, on those PRs for us while we um, while we go through the session. Anyone breaks any records, give us a live update. Yeah, can't can't see any of that happen to be honest. There's uh, <laughs> there's a lot of there'll be a lot of oh, what have we got going on today. There'll be a bit of throwing some med balls. There'll be oh, a lovely. There'll be a bit of weight work, and some of the rugby boys are in as well, so they'll be doing their own thing. Yeah, got some med balls and bands turn up today for the uh, for the off season training for some of the bowlers. So um, looking forward to getting stuck into that myself. Oh, excellent! Can't beat a med ball. Love, love. Um, especially, I, I like to have a, a mix of med balls and slam balls. Yeah. Uh, but so many different things you can do with them. Really, really useful and um, been a big addition since we brought them in the last last two or three years. And seeing guys who are looking back at their records this morning, actually, who were bowling. 52, 53 miles an hour as year sevens in year under 12s, who um, a year on are at 57, 58 miles an hour, which is which is really good to see. Um, partly because they're growing, partly because they're getting bigger and stronger naturally, but partly because they're they're doing a little bit of very basic uh, fitness work, which is which is having an impact. Mm. Yeah, it teaches you those movements, which which help you in the bowling action. So it's it's got to be good. Absolutely. Combine that with a bit of just general bodyweight work, so learning to control your body, and, and you, you see a little bit of progress. Let's talk about bowling, because recently Craig McDermott, of course, very uh, very famous Australian bowler, has um, come out and said he thinks um, that certainly Australia are doing things a little bit wrong. He's, what he's seen is... Um, 
guys who are playing at the top level who are not bowling as much as they used to when he was younger and yet injury rates are climbing as well so he's sort of put those two things together and said must be doing something wrong here the bowlers are not bowling enough we need to sort that out so my question around that is what can we as coaches do and what can bowlers themselves do to predict and prevent injury in fast bowling it's a very difficult thing you know how do you how do you predict the future it's a very difficult thing to do especially when it comes to human movement you know everybody moves in a in a different way so what what can we do about it is there anything we can do or uh, are we limited to hoping that you know they do their work in the gym and do a bit of prehab and um, get the bowling action as sound as possible and away you go well I think everything that you've just said is a pretty good starting point isn't it um, but even that doesn't uh completely guarantee that you're not going to get an injury because uh, the the whole thing about bowling is it's incredibly unnatural if you think about the the process you run up in you know as fast as you can really or as fast as you can with control you, you jump up in the air you you land with all the forces going into the ground you try and stop yourself basically um, so you can then transfer all your all the energies up your body sling the ball down the other end as quick as you can and then you start to follow through and, and, and move again so there's a lot of stop start there's a lot of uh, forces being going up and up and down the body um, so you know you wouldn't recommend that in terms of a, a decent healthy thing to do would you is a but it's a huge part of our game and um, uh, so I think we're always going to get injuries and, and it's easy to look back isn't it and with rose coloured tinted glasses I suppose and, and say that we didn't have as many injuries and maybe we didn't but I also don't think that we had as many people that knew what to look for when those injuries started to started to manifest really so we've got particularly at the top end of the game we've got uh, a lot of sports scientists that are picking up on things that weren't picked up on years ago so we're more aware and with more awareness obviously that the injuries have increased because we're more aware of what we're looking for I'm sure bowlers bowled with stress fractures many moons ago um, and got through seasons and then had six months off which again top bowlers don't get anymore really six months off so uh, you know the thing things have changed I think it's too easy, to, too easy to go. It's just a volume thing. I think that might have something to do with it. But again, as you said earlier, David, that's got to be individual because, you know, bowling 30 overs a week for somebody is it may not be enough, and bowling 30 overs for others may be too much. You know, and it, it, it's um, yeah, it's a good question that Craig asks, but I don't think there's any definitive. Uh, answer to it at the moment. It's probably one part of a bigger picture. Yeah, and we certainly don't know all the answers yet, do we? It's, it's still an area of, of quite a lot of um, investigation and research and experimentation, isn't it, Lavers? And I think we have we have developed, but we've still got some work to do in terms of working out how much bowling works for people, how much and what type of strength and conditioning work works for people. And, and, and also things like, um, you know, the, the type of surfaces that bowling, bowlers are bowling on and things like that. So... There's a lot of factors that go into it, and I, I think anyway. I don't know if you agree, but I think it's a, it's a bit mo- it's a bit more complicated than just saying, "Well, bowlers need to bowl more." Yeah, it's going to be a lot more complicated than that, and, it, and it's definitely more complicated as well than just having a, a blanket rule that's going to protect everybody. Um, everybody's different, and that's where we need coaches who are unable to who are able to um, 
work with players technically to make sure they're as safe as they possibly can be when they're growing into bowl, but also work with them um, from a management point of view to ensure that they're they're not overdoing it and, and recognising when a player is, is potentially getting to the limit of what they can be doing and also when someone's got more in the tank and they're looking after their, their movements in a way that they can keep going. But um, I know the, the kind of... The, uh, the intention of limiting what a bowler does and, uh, and trying to protect them that way is, is all with the best of intentions clearly but it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't reduce someone's lateral reflection, it doesn't stop someone from running into their local local club and just going and bowling another 10 nets on their, 10 overs on their own with their little brother it doesn't really have an enormous impact on, 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 on the bigger picture and I think from the technical point of view I would say that while more people are becoming aware of it, I think we're accelerating physically more than we're accelerating technically. So we're, we're probably putting more stress through our bodies as we run faster, jump higher, jump further, land with more force, create more force going through that body as we improve physically. And not everyone is necessarily keeping up to the same technical developments at the same time. Um, for a lot of people, especially within schools, that physical development will come through a, a fitness coach or uh, a program in another sport where they're developing themselves from a, a gym angle and they're improving themselves as athletes but if they don't have that specialist in place to offer the, the, the sort of technical support it's not necessarily going to be beneficial and it could potentially be um, a bigger a bigger hindrance than, than was at first kind of intended. And Steph Jones is doing some great work around this, around this concept of the fragile and the anti-fragile bowler, which is um, which is an interesting way of putting it. And, and his his sort of thesis, if you like, is that um, bowlers tend to do their gym work, do their bowling, and then don't do anything else, especially if you're you're talented and you're moving through the system. And his his uh, way of solving this problem is creating a much broader set of um, physical experiences for bowlers. So, you know, playing other sim- simple things like playing other sports and also doing things we were talking about medicine balls before working with medicine balls, doing more crossover type stuff that goes into technique as well. And having uh, someone who is rather than being really, really locked into one thing, having someone who is what Steph calls anti-fragile, which uh, which is a term that I might not like the actual term. I think it might be a bit ugly, but I like the idea behind it of saying, well, let's create guides who are robust in more than just having, you know, a bowling action that hasn't got a kink in it or, a, you know, a, um, a bit being able to lift a lot of weight in the gym. That's one of the things that we put in place. And I introduced what we call an athletic development program a couple of years ago um, down here at BGS. And what, and what we do is we try and work with boys all the way up to boys and girls, all the way up to kind of age of, of 15, 16, 17, um, depending on who they are. And, and all it is is developing them as an all-round athlete. And then one of the actual words we have in place is we're looking for an all-round robust athlete. So someone who isn't susceptible to injury, someone who can someone you can throw into a different situation you can put them in a hockey match you can put them in a rugby match you can put them in different situations and they're physically capable of, of looking after themselves and, uh, and being being able to withstand a period of time in that whether or not they know how to play the game or not they're not necessarily going to do as well as that you might want them to but, but they're physically capable of being robust in whatever environment you throw them to after that guys by the time they're 16, 17, 18 they probably have a bit more of an idea of what they actually want to go into and, and, and they maybe want to start specialising a little bit and we do start channelling the, the programmes accordingly so 
there's going to be a slight lean towards um, a bit of power development or a bit of um, core strength or a bit of lock, depending on depending on what their role is and what they're trying to do. But hopefully that's being built on a basis of them being a, a robust athlete rather than just being built on on. Um, uh, ball just being thrown on top of nothing and, and, and sometimes uh, and w- one of the phrases we actually use this morning is sometimes people they're trying to put the they're trying to put the cherry on top of the cake and they've forgotten to make the cake in the first place um, and you, you, you've got to go and build that foundation first before you try and put the fancy things on top let's answer some questions questions that have been sent in by listeners to the show or maybe readers over at the pitch vision website at pitchvision.com and uh, what we do is we answer those questions as best we can in the time available. And then we choose the best question of the week that wins a prize, which is an online coaching course from Pitch Vision Academy at pitchvision.com. You can email us with your questions on coach at pitchvision.com. And someone who's done that this week is George. And George says, I recently went to county under 15 trials and was told I did not have a good enough technique to be selected. The coach was very good in telling me exactly what I needed to change. He told me my grip is wrong and it will stop me doing well. I do have a different grip to most. The coach calls it a claw, but I think I can do well anyway. Should I change and how can I change? Firstly, good work from the coach in not only giving some clean feedback, which I think is really vital for people to move on. So the lad hasn't been selected. He's then been given some clean feedback on some of the limitations in his game and some advice on what he needs to do to change. So really good effort from the from the county coach there. Um, that doesn't always happen, and I'm really heartened to hear that, that that process goes on in that particular county. So well done on that. The second thing I would say is that grips for me are probably the most difficult element to change in batting actually because obviously the element of feel through your hands is quite significant and having that bat in a position that feels natural to you as we've seen with people like Graham Smith for example who would have an unconventional grip um, and still be very successful um, uh, you know that having that feel in your hands is really important um, you know if you're going to bat and if you're going to maneuver the ball uh, it, it's got to be a little bit individual um, but also I'm really interested in this claw grip because my sort of mental imagery inside my head here when I hear about a claw grip is that your bottom hand is is the one that's got a claw type uh, approach to it and we see that quite a lot with people that might have been heavy bottom handed players in the pre in the previous couple of years then go to a very light grip now I might be completely wrong it might be your top hand in this but until I really work out whether it's a top or bottom hand I don't quite know how how to advise you but ultimately you know there have been people in um, cricket like Graham Smith who you know I I tried to change his grip when he was a kid and he pushed me back quite rightly um, who you know it's about feel so as long as you can get that bat face going somewhere towards the ball and being square where at ball contact then it can work for you and it doesn't necessarily need to be as significant a limiter as maybe the coach had pointed out in the first place but my suggestion would be take a picture of the of your grip um, on a mobile phone send it in and then we'll be able to give you some more specific uh, feedback I need to know whether it's top hand or bottom hand first 
and I guess that's the wider point, isn't it, Lavers? That what what kind of um, results is he getting with that grip? You know, if he's smashing everything all the time with no problems, then you know perhaps it's not time to change. Um, but if he is restricted in some way, you know, if he can't if he can't drive very well, for example, then is their grip something to have a look at? and experiment with and try and find out a way of making a change. But you've got to start with the end, really, haven't you? And, and how, how are you performing by having that grip? Yeah, I'd, I'd probably want a little bit more specificity from that coach, um, which is very difficult because that coach has no doubt picked 15 or 16 players to, to be in a squad and he's turned down 20 or 30 or 40. So giving everyone very specific feedback is very, very tricky. But if you then go back to him again and say, look, you've said it's, um, it's going to stop me doing well. Could you, could you expand on it? Can you tell me what it's going to do? What's the limiting factor going to be? And it might be that he feels it's going to limit the power or it's going to limit the directions you can have the ball. Um, or the shots you can play so it's going to have something and he, and he might have a, a response to that but you want to work out what is it that's what's the compromise at the moment because if you're playing well and you're scoring runs and you've got something that's successful then perhaps it's something you want to stick with and even though it's individual we've seen individuals with all kinds of techniques make it all the way to the top so how, how well are you performing how well do you want to perform um, and what's going to get you from A to B and if it's this grip that's going to get you from A to B then fantastic let's go and make a change let's think about what it, what it prevents us doing and, and how we can adjust it to make it to allow us to do what we want to if however the grip isn't going to be a big factor in, in getting you from where you are to where you want to be or the shots you can play the shots you want to play or whatever it might be then maybe, then maybe you look elsewhere but um, yeah, definitely think about how it work can, compares to your actual performances how it impacts on actual performances and, uh, and if you can get a little bit more feedback which the sooner the, you can the better and from that coach then, then try to because he's obviously spoken to you recently so I hope it's fairly fresh in his mind so he might be able to give you that a little bit more and you never know you might be able to get a couple of sessions with him and say look I really want to do this and he might be able to come and help you out yeah that would be great especially I guess if you're ambitious you know you're thinking about oh, you know, I want to play in that team and you know I want to make sure that the coach is uh, is on my side. Then you know, getting co- coaching directly from the guy give you feedback is one of the best ways to uh, to to reach that goal, isn't it? To to be able to say, you know, I can listen to you. Perhaps you can listen to me as well, and and, and we can we can work out the best way between us of what's going to work for me. Yeah, we, we don't know whether the coach has had that conversation, so we need a little bit more information because he may, he may have a view, and a lot of coaches do, but, you know, your grip needs to be like that. Equally, he might have given those parameters. Well, actually, you've been pretty successful, but if you're going to keep with that grip, then it's really important that you have the capacity to open the wrist or whatever, as a number of players have, have done in the past. I mean, I keep going back to, to Graham Smith, probably because he had the least conventional grip that we've seen that has then gone on to score a significant amount of runs in international um, international cricket. Next question from Graham. Uh, I'm not sure who Graham is, but uh, perhaps he's a dad or someone who's just getting into coaching or something like that, because he said, what does a typical coaching session look like for an 11-year-old these days? Uh, well, it could, could look like anything, really, I suppose, couldn't it? Um, 
I guess what we're trying to do with people who are young is get some really fundamental skills into them, get them a good understanding of, um, from a batting point of view, having a having a range of shots. I mean, you're going to even prioritise a few shots. So there's going to be a whole range of things. So it can go from anything from hitting tennis balls, trying to learn some new technique, trying to trying to create shots that, uh, or trying to allow them to create shots that maybe haven't played before, um, allowing them to make decisions against different types of deliveries, putting them into different game environments and having games that make them think about how to set fields, where to bowl, where to, where to hit the ball, that kind of thing. So I, I guess for me, I'm a combination of trying to stimulate a bit of thinking about their technique and also trying to stimulate a bit of creativity about how, how they want to play. Um, but definitely trying to get them switched, switched on brain-wise so they're thinking about how they are doing things rather than just saying, there's a game, play it or don't play it or, or kind of bowl how you bowl and don't be thinking about it at all. Try and give them a bit, a bit of a little bit of understanding. And I definitely, without necessarily trying to change them too much and say, you have to do this and you can't do that, I'd definitely try and show them what they look like as well. Give them some video footage and show them how they look and they might look at it and think, actually, I can see straight away that that's, that might be why this is working or this might be why I can't do that or whatever it might be. So um, I'd be I'd certainly be looking to, to get a little bit of video footage in there so they can they can start taking control of that process of, of developing themselves technically because if they don't see themselves, it's very difficult to understand your movements and visualise them. So I'd, I'd throw a bit of that in there at some stage as well. But again, you, you, you're going to probably have a block of sessions over a period of time. You'd like to think so maybe over six weeks or 12 weeks or whatever it would be, you'd, you'd have a, a variety of things that you're trying to kind of stimulate or challenge in, in various different environments. So uh, difficulty levels can go from very, very simple to very, very, t- very, very challenging. And, and um, match situations can go from very, very um, relaxed to hopefully something that's quite competitive as well. That's one of the things that came out actually from the ECB conference was, uh, we, which we've talked about in previous shows, this, this idea of, of playing games and doing it in a more, you know, games-based uh, way and sort of setting setting challenges rather than trying to coach techniques or, or correct techniques because often, you know, uh, kids will come without any baggage and they'll come with novel solutions to problems that you set them. Like, even if something as simple as, you know, you, you've got to hit the ball, you know, in this game, you've got to hit the ball straight. You're going to hit it straight and you get points for hitting it straight and you hit anywhere else, you don't get anything. So, you know, something as simple as that might be, uh, you know, you're encouraging you're encouraging a skill, a cricketing skill of hitting the ball straight, but you're doing it in a way that, that the game is set up rather than, you know, lining kids up and, and getting them to do it without a ball or from a drop feed or whatever. So especially I feel like with younger kids, the more you can play games, the more you can engage them with the game, you know, that's a cricket-like game, then the better uh, that, that you'll do. And um, certainly at that age, you know, you can start to make it a lot more cricket-like, whereas maybe it's a bit younger, it'd be a bit less cricket-like. But as much as you can, I feel like, you know, if it's games, as much var- variation in games as possible in order to encourage the the skills that we want to develop in kids of that age. The, o- the only thing I'd say sort of contrary to that would be that a, a game doesn't mean 11 v 11 or a oh, pitch yeah. or yep. anything like that. A game can be a challenge. 
Um, and in in football, it, it, it often means having a game, and it might be a condensed game of three on three or rugby, where you play four and four in a small space or whatever it might be. But in cricket, I'm, I'm a big believer in still guys hitting as many balls as they can, and, and that doesn't come from games. That comes from what people seem to think are drills. But drills, drills are games with fewer people, effectively. So if you can if you can set up a, a competitive drill situation where you've got three targets and you're going to try and you've got to hit through three targets in different orders, or you've got to do something that is a game. Okay, don't get kind of clouded by the whole idea that drills aren't good things and that's a drill. That is very much a game. It's stimulating thought. It's stimulating self-learning and self teaching yourself how to play something. And it's got the added value that a game often doesn't have is you're going to hit 100 balls rather than you're going to hit 10 balls in an hour. So think about a game creatively rather than picturing a pitch. Um, and lots of people stood around on a pitch. Think about what, what the essence of what we're trying to create is, and that is bowlers that can bowl into into certain places, batters that can bat into certain, areas, can hit the ball into certain areas, and from that we can build up, build up and have actual physical games in addition, but not instead of. Yeah, I guess you need to be clear on the terms, don't you, between the difference between a game of cricket, you know, which is what you know, eleven v eleven, and you twenty overs or whatever it is. And, you know, games that are for training or, you know, I guess in, in other sports, in sports like football, they call them small-sided games, don't they? But it, whatever the cricket version, yeah, whatever the cricket version of that is, you still have to have some kind of challenge in there. That's, that's what you're looking for, I think. There's got to be a reason for them to yeah. want to get better at what the, at the little thing they're doing. And even if they can't correlate that little exercise with them going out playing in the middle got to find a way for them to want to be better at it and want to challenge themselves and, and a bit of a competitive edge or something that makes them feel like I want to be better at this even if I can't see its connection to how my score runs on the weekend is what we need to do because, because otherwise we're just doing, doing things without any particular reason which obviously isn't going to be really engaging or uh, exciting for the young guys. And it teaches you that you have to adapt as well. You can't just, you know, if you learn to play the absolute perfect cover drive every time from a bobble feed or a drop feed, then you haven't got much adaptability if the circumstances are different. The, the you know, the different speeds of bowling, different types of pitches, different amounts of swing and spin, all of those things mean that you have to make very small adjustments. And really good players are really good at making really small adjustments. And lesser players are not quite so adaptable. So if you build in that little bit of, uh, what's the word, uncertainty, I suppose, you know, that little bit of chaos, that little bit of I'm not sure whether my perfectly executed technique is going to work in this situation, then it makes you adapt and it makes you learn that you need to be able to adapt on the fly when you go out there and play on a, you know, on a sticky wicket or on a, you know, on an absolute road or, you know, the bowl, the bowlers are all relatively quick for your age or whatever it is, you, you know, you need to have that ability to be able to adapt. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. And that's it's kind of what we touched on a little bit last week in the podcast, is that we, we want to develop printers that can think for themselves, that can think, them, think their way into and out of situations, so that whatever's presented for them, they can come up with a way of doing it. And maybe they can't absolutely execute it straight away, but they get in the habit of thinking for themselves and trying to find ways to, to get out of situations that they find themselves in. Yeah. So have fun, set challenges... Enjoy it. 
And that is the end of the show for another week. Before we go, there's just one more thing we need to decide, and that's the winner of the competition. The online coaching course from Pitch Vision Academy at pitchvision.com is up for grabs. And we had George's question about his uh, claw grip and his county trials. And we had Graham's question about coaching sessions for under 11s. Which one did you prefer this week, Garris? I like Graham's question this week. I thought it was a fantastic question, which you two answered brilliantly, hence why I didn't add anything, because I wouldn't have added any value to that. So that was brilliant. But also in George, I'm going to set him a challenge. I'd like him to send in the same question, but with some uh, pictures of his grip, because that will really help us to give him a specific answer. So if he does that in the future, then I'm sure he'll give himself a great chance of winning the prize. Good stuff. Bit of follow-up there, George, if you can do that for us. And then, Gareth, if someone else was listening to the show who wanted to have their question answered and maybe win that prize, how could they get in touch with us? They could give us a call on 0203 239 7543 or drop us an email on coach at pitchvision.com. Uh, that's right. Uh, there's a little bit more admin. Uh, you can get us on social media, of course. Uh, if you want to send your questions or comments uh, in there, you can do that either on pitchvision.com. We've got a messaging system there or on Facebook. Uh, facebook.com slash pitchvisionacademy or twitter at pitchvisionacad you've got double the amount of space to send a question uh, now as of this week if you want to listen to the show you can do that by subscribing in any uh, podcast playing application just search for pitch vision academy you'll find us in there and if you want to get uh, any of the old shows stream the show online download the show onto your computer or device then you can do all that at pitchvision.com slash academy and clicking on the podcast link that's all for this week we hope you listen next week but until then have a good week cheers garris cheers lavers